Hey there, Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. And something I wanted to let you know about is a brand new podcast, a podcast that I was lucky enough to be guest number one. It is called Resilient Real Estate Investing. Do me a favor, go check it out. Just in the last couple of weeks, not only has my episode aired, but you heard from a syndicator who spent eight years in prison. You've heard from a movie theater operator who has had their side hustle produce 20 properties. Future episodes will record around the Roofstock's head coach, a college student evaluating properties, and of course, an army recruiter who discovered private money. Again, do me a favor, check out Resilient Real Estate Investing. On with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time, back with the boys, Matt and Dion. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing super awesome. It's Tuesday. Happy to do an Amigos on Tuesday. Absolutely. And Dion, how are you? Howdy. I'm doing great. I'm curious to see how your new weekly lineup starts to look with your new days off. Yeah, I, I am. Uh, I'm still struggling because uh, I have all these great relationships, lots of friends to make everything fit um, in this new schedule. So it'll probably take a couple of weeks to work out. So I appreciate the flexibility from both of you. This is the part where he lets us go on the same call, Dion. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And sorry, guys, you're off the list. Right. <laughs> it's been fun. In all seriousness, um, I love the three amigos, Matt, and we may need to do this Tuesdays, which we, you and I have operated for almost two full years now. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out. So we'll figure um, it out. I'll see if my schedule will allow. Now you get back to us. I know you have to check with someone. I'm not sure who that someone is, but yeah, it's funny. <clears throat> Uh, what I what I want to do what I want to do here is I want to talk about Jeremy Siegel. Jeremy Siegel is yeah. a uh, Wharton professor, and he has been all over my feed for the last really forty five days. He's an angry white man. Just <laughs> he's railing against the Fed. He's I've I've never seen him so angry. I mean, he is angry, and uh, he came out. Uh, I watched it this morning. He is all giddy now. Because the case Schiller and housing numbers showed a record-breaking deceleration, right? It went from, I think, 15.6 to 13. He's all giddy about that, right? Record record price drop mm-hmm. or record slowdown. Mm-hmm. And he's basically saying the Fed is having tremendous progress on inflation. And we should expect a Fed pivot soon. Now, in fairness, he still thinks we get 75 next week. But he's like, after that. The Fed's going to stop sooner. They're going to not go as high. And yes, rates will come down next year. And I don't know what he's smoking, but I thought I would come to you. Uh, I know Matt is chomping out the bit. So we're actually going to go to Dion first. So (laughs) we'll give Dion a chance to go first. Thanks for that. Because this this actually isn't my wheelhouse. um, And it isn't content I normally take in because I don't like to, and to steal words from you off of camera, I don't like to watch people who know how to do math but not interpret the numbers. Right. And what I've seen from the few videos I watched, because we had this topic coming up, he's talking about the Fed pivot because we have inflation, massive improvements in inflation. Correct. Correct. That's what that. If you're seeing that, let me know. Yeah, exactly. Then, Leave comments below. Where's the massive improvement in inflation? I'd love to know. And then he's calling for 2% next year. It is. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. So- that's not interpreting the numbers in any way that makes sense. So I kind of tried to, to shield myself from absorbing any more from that. Yeah, I don't it, see do, it. it does feel emotional, right? I mean, that's, that's one thing I, 
I try really hard to do. I am an emotional person, right? If you ever worked with me in my sales career, I, you know, behind closed doors, I could get pretty animated and passionate, but I always tried to be that duck that looked calm. And that's what I try to do with all these econ numbers is, is be calm. And it does, it feels emotional. And anytime you let emotion into rational thinking, it, it can get kind of wonky. So I agree with you, Dion. Uh, Matt, what do you got? Let them have it. F the duck. I don't duck anything. <laughs> You're not calm on anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you are yeah. all. You want to fight? Yeah. Want to fight? Yeah. Yeah, fight? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I mean, hey, he's a trained economist. He has way more years of schooling than I do, oh, yeah. uh, which isn't hard. Um, it's not but, hard. No. Yeah, really not hard. <laughs> like, pretty much everybody does. But hey, at the end of the day, I just look at it and say, you're reading charts. I'm living it. And so I don't see that they've gotten a good hold on inflation. I just paid $5.79 for a gallon of heating oil. That's not a hold on inflation. I just paid almost four bucks a gallon for gasoline. That is not a hold on inflation. I just paid $3.69 for a dozen eggs in the cheapest place that we can get eggs. That's not a whole lot of inflation. So while he wants to sit there with his hopium and think that they're going to reverse trace or reverse track anytime soon, keep on hoping, bro. Because you know what? My tenants, my real people, me, real people, we're not living that way. We're not cooped up in some stupid classroom looking at charts and graphs and talking about our feelings and saying that they're doing it wrong. We're living the daily and that's what I'm doing. And so, yeah, I know what a gallon of milk costs. It's now more than five bucks. I know what eggs cost. It's now more than three bucks. So bring it on all you want that they've gotten under control. He's got his head up his ass and he doesn't know anything he's talking about. Because the fact of the matter is, is I'm shopping today for food right. for my family and he couldn't be more wrong. So if you yeah. want to look at some chart that says, whoa, it's, 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 it's downtrending. Yeah, because they, they used millions of gallons out of the SPR every day. Yeah, congratulations on that. Let's, mm. let's take that and add that back in. Now let's let rents catch up. Are they still way ahead, Jeremy? Yeah, it certainly doesn't feel that way to me and my, all my tenants. Yeah. So I think there's, there's some things that uh, I just want to put out here. It's kind of, uh, I guess I'll call it educational. I'm not really sure how to phrase this. Uh, in the world of economics and statistics, there's something called rate of change. Mm-hmm. Not only absolute change, but rate of change, sure. right? So you could say something went down 0.2%, but is it accelerating or decelerating, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is the rate of change accelerating or decelerating? I believe, and again, I'm not trying to defend Jeremy. I'm just trying to give the other side. What he is pointing at is an accelerating rate of change. Yes. Which is fair. That's valid. Fair. It is. I do think he's extrapolating way too much yes uh i think he's been influenced by kathy wood meaning uh that there's a lot of hopium uh so i agree the rate of change on stuff is accelerating around housing right we just talked about Kay schiller having a record month-on-month drop between july and august of 2.6 percent went from 15.6 to 13 flat um that rate of change is accelerating but that will bottom out right you i think what jeremy is looking at is a rate of change that continues to accelerate and I think that's an error in judgment, right? What, what have we seen with inventory and housing, for example? On July 15th, I made, actually in June, I made a call about July 15th. I said, that's going to be the day that the world changes. It changed. Uh, we saw a bunch of inventory and wish pricing. Then it came back. And I think we're going to have inventory falling below, right? That's, that's reading the tea leaves, not, get, not getting fascinated by rate of change. Why is that important? Well, a lot of folks got the housing market wrong, including... People that have been on my channel who are economists, Lance Lambert, who's the Fortune, uh, Fortune um, editor, John Wake, all these other like all these people, Lance Lambert, 
they all saw the change in housing from July to August on inventory. Um, Moody's Analytics, Mark Zandi, they were all like, oh, look at the rate of change. It's accelerating. It's going to continue to the moon. We're going to be at 2 million inventory in a moment. I'm like, guys, you don't understand what's happening. Mom and dad are saying, I want to get last year's prices. And they're going to take them off the market when they can't. And sure enough, that's what happened. So I think Jeremy is uh, living on hopium or wishful thinking. The big issue in all of this is when you really break apart core CPI, which is where I think the problem lies and it's going to be super sticky, is the difference between services and stuff. And I think this is why Kathy Wood gets it wrong. Kathy Wood is screaming that we're going to have deflation in stuff, TVs, clothing, right? There's all this stuff on shelves. And what, what's going to happen is she's probably going to be right. I'll, you know what? I'll even say she is right. But what you don't realize is stuff, roughly speaking, makes up 27% of core CPI. So if clothing goes down and TVs go down, it's 27%. Services make up 73%. So when you have wage inflation, you have uh, owner's equivalent rent going up, even if you have a nice drop in stuff. The services one's just going to run it over. So I think, I think folks, I think folks are looking at the rate of change because we might go from eight, like we went from nine one to eight two, we might go from eight two to seven, but it's going to be that last three or four percent that's going to be, it's going to take Very years. Sick. I now think it's going to take years to break. Years, very possibly years. So just so everybody knows who Jeremy Siegel is, because he's not just a Wharton professor, and this is something I think a lot of people don't know. I actually do a little bit of research on people. When I find out that they're espousing these silly ideas like inflation is seemingly under control. Someone doesn't put gas in their own car. Somebody doesn't buy their own eggs. And somebody sure as hell doesn't buy their own milk. So Wisdom Tree, for those of you who watch financial channels and see them, he is the senior investment strategy advisor. And he collaborated with Wisdom Tree to create two unique model portfolios called ah. Siegel Wisdom Tree Global Equity Model and the Siegel Wisdom Tree Longevity Model. <laughs> so I'm just going to say, he's really not a professor that's actually looking at the actual day-to-day -day of Joe. He's, again, in a think tank, looking at graphs, looking at charts. No offense, he's an economist. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, he's not living it. He's not living it. He's not well, I think. I think... I, I think it's even worse than that. I think he's probably has these portfolios. I'm going to guess they're down. Oh, probably down a lot. Down. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's trying to talk it up. He wants people to, he wants, Jeremy wants you to buy stocks. That's what Jeremy wants. Yep. There's Beyond no way to think about it. Yeah. 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 So I think there's two things that are missing every time an economist talks about um, inflation. Because almost every everybody that I've seen looks at what is CPI and what is PPI. And they're ignoring like the mental shift that happened in society in 2020. So we're all close to right around that half a century old. We grew up and we lived in a time where if there was such a thing, even fantasized about like a pandemic, people thought you would lose your house, you'd be homeless and you wouldn't have food and it would be zombie apocalypse. You need ammunition to take food from someone else. And now we've seen this, the government's got your back. They'll just print billions of dollars a month, $120 billion a month. And we'll go, you can't evict somebody for not paying their rent. And then we'll say, <clears throat> forbearance, you don't have to pay your mortgage. And we're going to make it to where forbearance comes back with a 40-year 
fixed interest rate. You don't have to pay the missed ones until the end of the mortgage. Like all of these things that weren't thoughts in 2019. And so we have consumer confidence above any other. People will take on debt now more than they ever would have five, 10 years ago, which is going to be inflationary. And then that's the first thing, the mental shift. The second thing is, I still think people are underestimating the power of working remotely. I, I think if, if you're watching this right now and you know anyone in your circle of friends making $23 an hour or less doing a job where you have to go to work, they're making a mistake. Yeah. Almost everyone I know is considering the $24 an hour job, work from home job that they found, not one that they think they can find, but they've got an offer in hand versus going out and working in the public again. And that's a shift where here in, in Tacoma, sure. Okay. Average income. Go to Gary, Indiana. Make $24 an hour. Go to Arkansas, Louisiana. Yeah. There's lots of places, you know. Right. So we're going to continue. 50 grand a year is a lot. Even if rates go up, I think we're going to continue to see inflation, which is. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, again, when I, when I talk about inflation, I think there's the easy bit and then there's the real work, right? A lot of people are talking about, including Mark Zandi from Moody's Analytics, thinks half of inflation is going to be easy, right? Four, he actually said, we're going to be at 4% in six months. I'm like, dude, that's a ballsy call. I don't see it, right? I think we might see 6%, maybe 6.5%. But after that, the real work begins. That's why I think the Fed's got to get the 5% and just hold it. The, the Fed's going to get the 5% and it's going to hold on tight. They may have to cut. They don't want to, but they're going to hold on tight and see if they can go all year at, at because inflation is hard to beat. I mean, even even uh, Paul Volcker, who gets all the credit for breaking inflation, he had a false start. I mean, I, I don't know if people look at it, but he tried it. He raised rates. He thought he had it licked. He cut, and then he had a double-dip recession, which was nasty. I lived through it. Um, that's where my dad was unemployed for like six months or something. We were – yeah, it was horrible. So, um, yeah, we, 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 we've got to hope the Fed can beat this thing. So, uh, Matt, where can people find you? Well, lastly, uh, it's nice that Zandy finally actually made a call because he doesn't usually do those, but I understand why he wouldn't because he's never right. He's so wrong he, a lot. Yeah, he's wrong. I mean, honestly, vote or bet the opposite and you'll be wealthier than your dreams could possibly imagine. So Lumberjack Landlord on Instagram and uh, YouTube, as well as 1130 AM Eastern Time, currently on Sundays for live streams. And yes, equal opportunity snowflake melting here at lumberjack land and dion how are you how about you and final thoughts but uh, is also and i'll repeat this because i say this once in a while inflation could be really high next year interest rates can be really high next year have a plan for that inflation can go down interest rates can go down have a plan for that and you can find me right here on youtube dion talk financial freedom awesome thanks guys